0: As we begin this morning, I want to say once again thank you for being here. We are glad that you're in our congregation this morning. And I also want to say welcome one more time to the people who are joining us on live stream. I know that we have at least one family this morning that would have preferred to have been here in person, but they have experienced some sickness in their family, so they are worshiping with us from home this morning. So we say welcome to all who are joining us through the live stream this morning, and you know, as we begin this morning, I just want to say one thing that I have said so many times before. I always desire when we open our Bibles as a congregation, as we hear the Word of the Lord preached, I always desire that we feel as if we are taking a step directly into the Scriptures, and you know. Many of you have heard me explain why I believe we can do that before, but I want to tell you again why I believe that we can feel that we are taking a step directly into the Scriptures each and every time that we open God's Word, each and every time that we hear God's Word preached. It is because I firmly believe that this is the Word of God. I believe it's true from cover to cover. I believe it means what it says. I believe it's unchanging. No matter how much society might like to tell us that something has changed, let me tell you, God's Word never changes. It never will change. This is the Word of God. We can stand on it this morning. We can stand upon the Word of God. And I encourage us to always do that. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, you know that we completed the Galatian sermon series. And so I've spent quite a bit of time praying about where should we go next on the Sundays that I preach? What book should we be in? And I really believe that the Lord led me to the book of Ephesians. So we are going to be starting a new journey this morning as we take a step into the scripture, looking at the book of Ephesians. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and I hope that we will be able to cover the entire chapter this morning. But you know, always when we begin a new sermon series, I think it's good for us to just start at the same place and to know some background information and so one of the things that perhaps should go through our mind any time that we start a new sermon series is, so who wrote that book? Who wrote the book? And so the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, and you'll probably remember Paul was also the author of the Galatians, the book of Galatians that we just finished that sermon series last week. Paul also authored more New Testament books than any other man. So Paul wrote that book. He was born in Tarsus as a Jew near the Lebanese border in what we now know as modern-day Turkey. He was a Roman citizen. He was previously a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee, and Paul was highly educated He converted to Christianity and then he became the primary apostle to the Gentiles. And that is so significant. We're going to talk about that in more detail here in just a few minutes. But I want you to remember that Paul was converted to Christianity and then God used him to be the primary apostle to the Gentiles. He was put in prison in Rome in A.D. 67 and he died in prison in A.D. 68. And so... Maybe another set of questions that you might wonder as you approach a new book. Like this book, Ephesians, is in the form of a letter, just like Galatians was. So maybe you might wonder, who was the letter written to? How did it get to the people to whom it was written? And so why did Paul write this letter? Well, Paul wrote the letter to be sent to all Christians in the city of Ephesus. This letter was most likely delivered by, and I'm not going to pronounce this word right now. If I were not in front of you, I can pronounce this nine times out of ten. In front of people, I cannot say it, ever. So if you want to hear how this word is pronounced, ask me after the service, and I will be glad to tell you, but I'm not going to embarrass myself right now by trying to say this word. But he was a co-laborer and a friend of Paul. Paul wanted to stress the spiritual blessings that Christians have in Christ. And he wanted to stress the importance of living a lifestyle that reflected those blessings. Remember I said just a few minutes ago, now is the time for us to be the church. People are watching us. They are watching us. So I want to encourage each of us to live a lifestyle that reflects the spiritual blessings that we're going to be talking about in this chapter. And probably the third and final thing that I want to know anytime time that I'm reading a new book in the Bible is, what do we know? What do we know about the place? Like in this, in this particular situation, we said that it was sent to all Christians in the city of Ephesus. So what do we know about Ephesus? I think it's a fair question to ask. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia, again in modern-day Turkey. It was a leading trade center in the Roman Empire. It was the center of worship for the pagan goddess Diana. And the Temple of Diana was one of the wonders of the ancient world. The population of Ephesus was around 300,000 people. And so as we're thinking about today, something, a place to compare that to, that's the approximate population of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 300,000 people. Ephesus was a beautiful city. It was very sophisticated, it was very pagan, and it was very wealthy. So this morning, the title of this message is Our Spiritual Blessings. And we're going to see through this text in chapter 1 this morning that as Christians, we have been given every spiritual blessing that is necessary. And we're going to see through this text this morning that we have these spiritual blessings in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. But before Paul gets into defining what each of these blessings are, he gives a greeting, which is his normal practice as he is writing a letter. So at the very beginning, verse 1, he identifies himself as Paul. And then he goes on to list his credentials. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he says, by the will of God. To the, by the will of God. Do you remember just a few minutes ago when I was talking about Paul? And I said that he was converted to Christianity and he became the primary apostle to the Gentiles. That is so significant. And I'll tell you why it's so significant. Prior to Paul's conversion, guess what he did? He persecuted Christians. He persecuted Christians. And then he went, he he experienced, let's just say God got his attention. He had a radical conversion to Christianity. And then God used that man who previously persecuted Christians to become the primary apostle to the Gentiles, some of the people that he previously persecuted. He experienced a radical conversion, but I'm going to tell you, that's what God can do. Only God can do something like that. Only God can take a person who previously persecuted Christians and radically changed their heart and use that same person to minister to those people And to become the primary apostle to them. Only God can do that. That's what he can do. So I want to encourage you this morning. No matter what you might be going through. No matter what type of burden you're carrying. And God is greater than that. If he can take somebody who persecuted Christians. And use that person to minister to them. He can change your problem. Just give it to him. He can change your problem. And then he says here. I want to focus on this for just a minute, by the will of God. Now, Paul, after his conversion, obviously was operating under the will of God. And I want to ask us this morning, are we? Are we following God's will for our life? If you're not, we can begin that today. And then also right here in verse one, he identifies who he is writing this letter to, and it's to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes today I think we're sort of hesitant to use the word saint. I don't know how many people that you have ever frequently referred to as a saint. But I'm going to tell you, it's not, bad. It's not a bad thing to refer to somebody as a saint as long as we are using it in the proper context. The way Paul is using it here is is as somebody who is set apart by God and who is following God's will for their lives. And that's what he felt that these people were doing. They, They were faithful followers of Jesus, just as our text says. And then he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that grace and peace is a familiar theme to you. As we talked about that all through the Galatian sermon series. But Paul's at it again. He is offering grace and peace to these people. And then he makes it very clear where grace and peace comes from. It comes only from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd just like to tell you this morning that if you are looking for grace and peace anywhere other than through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to find it. Not true grace, not true peace. They only come from God our Father and through Jesus Christ. The world at best can only give us temporary grace and temporary peace. But that grace that God the Father and Jesus the Son provides, it is permanent. I wonder this morning, have you experienced that grace and that peace? And again, if you haven't, you can today. You can experience that today. And as we start to look into our text and talk about these three types of spiritual blessings that this text identifies, we're going to see the first type of spiritual blessings are in God the Father, and that is in verses 3 through 6. And as we look at that particular text, there's some key phrases that we need to spend just a few minutes on. The first appears here in verse 3, where Paul Writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, we should always praise God because He has given us the spiritual blessings that we need. And you know, I know we, we experience daily life. Some days are easier than others. Some days are much more difficult than other days. But even on those hor- the days that we believe are horrible, god 's given us every spiritual blessing that we need, and that is an opportunity that is a reason to praise him. I imagine that these people that Paul is writing to in the city of Ephesus they 've gone through some pretty rough stuff too, and Paul is using this as an opportunity to remind them. You have every spiritual blessing that you need in and through God the Father. Now the next thing that I want to be sure that we don't miss out on is that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. And I I want us to always understand that that that's the will of God for us. He wants us to live lives before him that are holy and blameless. And you know, you've heard me say virtually every time that I preach, I will make this statement. I always want to offer hope I always want to offer hope. And I want to tell you this morning what the hope is. It's in a man named Jesus Christ who loved us so much that He gave His life for us on the old rugged cross. That is our hope. No matter what we have done, He will forgive us if we ask Him to. If we ask Him to. I wonder this morning, are we living lives that are holy and blameless before Him. You know, the moment we come to Christ, He forgives our sins. He really does. He forgives our sins. And He places them as far as the east is from the west, and that is a distance that literally cannot be measured. But I want to be sure that what we don't receive at the moment of salvation is we never have any type of license to sin. It is never okay to sin christ wants us to live lives that are holy and blameless before him and then verses five and six and i'll just say as we get ready to dive into these two verses these are two verses that tear many people completely up and i want you to hear these two verses he in love he prepped i have tongue out here Let's start over. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. What I want you to hear this morning is that God loves you. Stay with me this morning. I want you to hear that God loves you. I want you to hear this morning that it is not the will of God for anybody to spend their eternity in hell. God desires that all people come to Him and receive salvation. However, we've got to realize we live in a sinful world. Everybody is not going to come to God for salvation. If you think of people in your life right now, throughout your lifetime, unfortunately, all of us can probably identify people that have died and we believe they're in hell right now. Those people made the choice not to come to God. God is not going to force salvation on anybody. But He desires that all be saved. We could spend the rest of the sermon on these two verses. I'm not going to do that this morning because I want to get through this text this morning. But I'm going to take you to a few key passages just to prove what I'm saying, that God desires for all people to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. God's Word tells us this is good. And it is, it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. The next verse I want to take you to is a verse I suspect that every one of you could quote right now if I ask you to. Most of you learned this verse as a child, maybe even in vacation Bible school, you learned this verse. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you heard me preach last Sunday, you, you re- probably will remember that I said last Sunday was my spirit, the anniversary of my spiritual birthday. On that day, I became one of the whoever because I chose to believe in him that day and to follow him. And as a result of that, I know I'm not going to perish, but instead I am going to have eternal life. I wonder this morning, what about you? Had you made that decision? And finally, two different verses from Romans. The first one is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally, Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's move to our next type of spiritual blessings that we can see from this text this morning. And we find this particular category in verses 7 through 12. These are the spiritual blessings in the Son now verse 7, we see another key word, actually a couple of key words that we have to understand. The first one is redemption. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So what does it mean to be redeemed? We, we talk about being redeemed. We talk about redemption. But what does that actually mean? Well, an easy way to think about it, Is to be set free. Maybe we're thinking about a slave that has been set free. That process of buying back. Are you redeemed this morning? Have you experienced the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ? Through that redemption, through His blood, we can experience the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins according to the riches of His grace. Now, a few minutes ago, I shared John 3.16 with you to tell you how much that God loves us, but the forgiveness that we're talking about here in verse 7 of Ephesians 1, it's the result of the death of Jesus on that cross when He shed His blood for me and for you. And I'm going to tell you this morning, when that blood covers us, we have been forgiven. I wonder this morning, has your has his blood covered you and his in your life? Christ paid such a huge debt for us when he died on the cross. It was one that we owed but we could never pay. But he went to the cross and gave his life for us. Has that blood covered you this morning? Before we leave this particular verse, I want to be sure that we make the connection that forgiveness and redemption, they always work together. When we're talking about where we will spend eternity, if our eternity is going to be spent in heaven, redemption and forgiveness always work together. We simply cannot have one without the other. In verse 8, he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. Remember a few minutes ago when we had our prayer time, the word mystery came up. And I said, we're going to be talking about that in more detail in the sermon. Well, here it is in this verse where which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Well, let me tell you the mystery that we're talking about here. It's one that's known by believers, but it's not known by unbelievers. Sometimes they don't want to believe it. But, you know, there is a day coming where I believe God the Father is going to say something to his son Jesus that maybe sounds like this. It's time. It's time. Go get my children. Go get my children. And then we're going to experience that midnight cry that we talk about so often. Jesus is going to come back. And at that point, Jesus will... As the scripture says, he's coming back to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus will reign over all at that point. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? And then in verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been been predestined according to the purpose of, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, I don't know about you, but frequently, sometimes daily, sometimes two or three times a day, sometimes maybe five or six times a week, I'll get an email that will notify me that I am the sole inheritor or the sole beneficiary of someone that I have never ever heard of that just happens to live in a foreign country and all I've got to do to claim this inheritance is just to simply contact them and give them all my information so they can take every last penny I have from me It's really what the purpose of that is you see it's not real that example that I just gave you that there is no inheritance it's a scam it's not real but the inheritance that's on the screen right now, let me tell you, it is very real. It is very real. And if you're in Christ this morning, you're a beneficiary. You're an heir of that inheritance. It's coming. It's coming. I wonder, do you know Jesus today? You see, that inheritance is very real. And then we see the third type of spiritual blessings, and these are in the Holy Spirit, and we see that in verses 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of of his glory. Now I wonder, do you realize the significance of a seal? The way the word seal is used here, it is very significant. Actually, it it indicates possession, and it also indicates security. Now the presence of the Holy Spirit is our seal. It is our seal, and it is our guarantee as believers That our salvation is secure. We're not going to lose our salvation. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that is wonderful, wonderful news. And let me tell you what else is wonderful news. That is it's a guarantee of our inheritance from now, from the moment of our salvation... Until we see Jesus face to face, that seal is the guarantee of our inheritance. And that is a further reason to praise the Lord. I wonder, are we praising Him this morning? And then as our final section of verses begins, we see that Paul offers a prayer for, this, for these people. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. You know i'm I'm just going to step out on a limb here and say, I suspect when these people read this letter that that meant something to them. To know that this man named Paul, who previously persecuted Christians, who is now the primary apostle to the Gentiles, is praying for them. And it says that he doesn't cease to give thanks for them, remembering them in, their prayer, in his prayers. I suspect that that meant something to them. I suspect that it meant a lot to them. What's it mean to you when somebody reaches out just completely unprompted to you and says, I'm praying for you today? It can, it can make a day that seems to be going pretty bad to go much better. Just over-offering something like that. I wonder when's the last time that you've reached out to somebody and told them, I'm praying for you today. When that person's on your heart, pray for them. Absolutely pray for them. But I want to encourage you to reach out. Tell people that you're praying for them. You know, most people are fighting a battle that you'll never see. Now, sometimes we know about the battles people are fighting, but so many times I'm convinced that the majority of battles that people fight, we never know anything at all about. So you reaching out to somebody and encouraging them by praying for them can mean a lot. And I want to encourage us to always do that. Now, as Paul closes out this prayer, I want you to hear specifically how he's praying. And it starts in verse 17. Verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. So specifically here, Paul is praying that they, and I believe that we, everybody that would read that letter after he wrote it might comprehend these three things. The first one is our hope that we have. The second one is our our riches. And then God's power is the third thing. Our hope is anchored in the promises. You know, earlier when the kids were taking up the noisy offering, the musicians played Standing on the Promises. I don't know if you might not have even noticed that, but that's what we played. And I wondered, are we standing on those promises? The promises that we've been talking about today—they're ours in Christ. They're ours in our in Christ. We need to know that our spiritual future is based on the promises of God, and we need to find strength and courage and the hope that we have in those to press on and to live in the presence in the present and as we're doing that we are supposed to be progressing spiritually we're always to be growing spiritually yes it's true god meets us where we are but he doesn't want us to stay there he wants us to grow he wants us to grow you know if any time that we bring home a new baby you know a, as wonderful as the newborn is it wouldn't be natural at all, would it, if, if the baby never grew? If for the next 30 years that baby remained an infant? That, that wouldn't be normal at all. We expect the child to grow, don't we? We expect the child to grow. When we come to Christ and ask Him to be our Savior, we are a spiritual infant. He will feed us, but He expects us to grow. So we, we should always focus on what's to come. The best is yet to come, church. The best is yet to come. All of the trials that we go through in our walk while we're here on earth, I, I am convinced once we get to heaven, I, I don't think we'll ever even remember those. I think we will be so involved in worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that all of this stuff that we go through During our walk here on earth, I don't think we'll even remember it. I want to encourage us not to ever take our eyes off Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus and press on. And finally, I want to talk for just a moment about this because I believe that Paul wants us to know about God's power wonder, do we stop to realize how powerful that God really is? Just think for a minute with me when Jesus was upon the cross. When Jesus gave his life for us on the cross, he physically died. He physically died. They removed his body from the cross. They put it in a grave. He stayed there for three days. But then what happened? He arose. Now, that didn't just happen magically. That happened because of the power of God. It happened because of the power of God. God's power raised Jesus from the dead. And that's your cue to say amen. It's good news. But, you know, that power didn't stop there. Let me tell you when else he used that power. When he saved my soul. He used that very same power when He saved my soul. And if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, He used the same power when He saved your soul also. And that is such marvelous news this morning. I wonder, do you know Him today? And I know that if you've heard me preach very often, you know I almost always just used as a part of the message. How, how, do you, how does one accept Jesus? How does one ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior? And I know most, I hope all of you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I hope all of you can lead someone to Christ. If you can, I'd love to talk to you. I would love to show you exactly how to lead somebody to Christ. But it is really easy to make the decision to follow Jesus. Now, the part that happens after that, is when we actually follow him and turn from our sin, that's more difficult. But the process of asking Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, it is not difficult at all. And it is just as simple as we teach children in Bible school the ABCs of salvation. We've got to admit that we're a sinner to realize that there's some things in our life, namely sin, that has caused a separation to be between us and Jesus We've got to admit that we're a sinner. When we got sin in our life, we're a sinner. Now, praise God for the grace that that we experience. But if there's sin in our life, we're a sinner. And then the B stands for we've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He was on this earth, had an earthly ministry, and He lived a perfect life. One that did not contain any sin. We've got to believe that He loved us so much. That he was willing to die for us on the cross. The same cross that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. He physically died. He was removed from the cross and he was buried. And then three days later he arose from the grave. And that is why we celebrate Easter. And then the C stands for we've got to confess that Jesus is Lord. And that confession process, it involves turning from our sin and following Jesus, I wonder, have you done that today? If you haven't, we would love to introduce you to Jesus. I can tell you of all the decisions that you will ever make in your life, this is the most important one. And if you don't know Jesus right now, I encourage you, don't leave this place without knowing him as your Lord and Savior. This life is so uncertain. It can end at any time. Do you know Him today? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank You for the day that You've given us. Father, I thank You for Your Word that is true from beginning to the end. Father, I pray that You will take this Word that has been preached this morning, and I pray that You will keep it alive in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Father, I pray right now if there is someone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that this will be the day that they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, for people maybe that's here this morning and they have some other type of decision that they need to make, Father, I pray that this will be the day that, that burdens are placed at your feet. Lord, we know that at Calvary is where burdens are lifted. Father, I pray you'll just move freely during this time of invitation today. And I pray that that you will be forever glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.